I know I was going to say real quick, I'm actually really excited because uh, when I was listening to his podcast, he was saying that, I think I told you this, uh, he was like, oh, you know, sometimes I might get distracted and go down tangents. And I was like, boy, are you going to fit in on this podcast? <laughs> so well. Oh, so well. So well. <laughs> Goodness. Uh, hello there. Welcome to episode 84 of Frightmares. I am your host, Austin Proctor, and back again for the second week in a row is my co-host, Corey Johnson. hey oh <laughs> The hand gestures. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know what that was. That was new. I like keep, keep, keep that up. I like that. Gotta keep it fresh for the listeners. <laughs> Uh, like I said last week, uh, at least I believe I said, yes, I did. Uh, we have a special guest this week. He is a director of about, I think I counted 15 movies thus far. He's got one coming out in 2021 and he's got one in the can or he's in pre-production on another one. His name is Christopher R. Mim, the creator of the Mimiverse. And you, for, if you remember, it was like, I think creature, it was our Creature Feature episode two. two. So like yeah. way back in like the 20s or 30s, we did Where Skeeto, Nazi Hunter. And at first when I watched it, I was like, this is terrible. What am I watching? But And as we, but, as we delve deeper into what this was during the show, we fell down this rabbit hole of just 1950s era pulp, yeah. all made by the same one guy. And we were like, wait, what the fuck is going on? And then we figured out, like, this dude has an entire cinematic universe that he's done basically completely on his own. Written, directed. Uh, um, shot, filmed. Yeah, everything. Funded everything. And we we kind of, like, put a pin in it and we were like, yo, we got to come back to this. And then we started watching more of these movies and we were like, oh, my God, this is a fucking goldmine. This is this is a higher quality Bad Ben all over again. Yeah, and like I said, I, I didn't... I guess I didn't... Obviously, I had no idea what it was when I watched Wereskita because I was like, this is really bad. I don't... What's going on? But then you realize, oh, that is the point. It's cheesy 50s, 60s kind of drive-in, you know, uh, movies from you know, like the 50s and 60s era. And I was like, okay, that makes a lot more sense. Now that I know that going into this, this makes this movie about 10 times better because yeah, I didn't it goes, know. It goes from a schlock to like, okay, this is the artistic intention behind it. Yeah, it makes now a lot I more sense. Now I can sit back, understand it, and enjoy it. Yeah. But on first viewing, you're like... You're like, what the hell? It's like, wait, this was made in 2016. What the fuck is going on? Yeah, like, I was, I was so very confused. I thought maybe it was like a labeling bug or something. Yeah, because when you recommended this, my first thought was, where Skeeto na Nazi hunters? Okay. Uh, it's in black and white. Okay. Um, what's the deal here? And it wasn't until we were reading trivia on it on that episode that you said, you know, uh, director Christopher R. Mim has like, you know, this Mimiverse. And then we were like, wait, whoa, Mimiverse, what? <laughs> of classic 50s and 60s drive-in sci-fi style movies? Yeah, put a pin in that. We're coming back to it. And we are back now. And I've watched, I have watched every single one of these besides Phantom, the newest one, which is the Phantom Lake Kids and the Unseen Invasion. And I have to tell you, I have loved every single one of them uh, now that I know going into it, what they are supposed to be makes a lot more sense. So, And it, the, all of them are very, very quick. I think Demon with the Atomic Brain is the longest one at 100 minutes. I know I that. I think um, it's it's one it's that or um No, it's uh it's this one. It's Mo it's Monster Phantom Lake. It's like hour 37 and that's pretty much the longest one. Usually they clock in at about hour 3, hour 15. So they're like, you know, in and out. I mean, they're just 
they're just like you said you can kind of it's something you can put on and pay full attention to and have a great time or put on in the background and still have a good time no matter how you watch these you can absolutely have fun with them and they're and they're very family friendly to an extent like there may be some things that like you won't want to have to explain to a young child like what nazis were or whatever <laughs> but <clears throat> By and large, it's by and large, it's a very okay thing to like have on with like smaller children around. Yeah, as I'd well. say I'd say about ninety percent of these are totally family friendly, and uh, that makes them even better because if a kid can enjoy this and I, as a thirty-year-old man, can enjoy this, <laughs> I mean, your target audience is is huge. Yeah, it's everyone. It's every single person, as opposed to you know R-rated movies, which are seventeen and up and stuff like that. So I mean. I mean, this guy. This guy's been cranking out movies one every year since 2006. And once we get him on the phone, I ha- that's my first question: is how have you done this every year? One movie that is and impressive. Not, and not only is he cranking out one every year, but the production value stays steady. Yeah, it's like it's, you're you're not ever seeing like a serious dip in quality unless it was like intentional. Yeah, because. Even Phantom Lake Monster, or the Monster of Phantom Lake, sorry, from 2006, you know, I mean, do the newer ones look like a skosh better? I mean, yeah, a little bit, because it's been 15 years, but overall, I mean, it's it's pretty much the same quality, yeah. so it's, there's really no, like, and I watched them in chrono- chronological order from 2006 all the way up to the last one, which was uh, Queen of Snakes, which is fucking wild. I mean, all these movies are wild. I mean, let's just, let's name off some here. We've got... Some of my favorites. We have It Came From Another World. We have Cave Women on Mars, Destination Outer Space, Attack of the Moon Zombies, uh, The Giant Spider. Danny Johnson Saves the World. Where Skeeto, which we've already talked about. Demon with the Atomic Brain. Queen of... I mean, you've got these just awesome names. And these title cards are amazing. I mean, look at this one. This Demon with the Atomic Brain. It's got this eye with these, like, laser, like, shooting out of it. And these... It's just, dude, the, the friggin'... Title cards are just, like, they draw you in. I think my favorite one, though, my favorite one is definitely Destination Outer Space because it's got so much going on. You've got this guy in all black with, like, a taser in the background. You've got someone who's supposed to probably resemble Han Solo. I I'm getting Han Solo vibes from her. You've got Josh Craig. He's bald. He's got this blue jumpsuit on, two giant eyeball head monsters. I mean, there's a lot happening here. It's so amazing. Yeah. It's so amazing. And the other thing that makes it extra amazing is because of because of the version of how he's shooting it, all of the costumes and effects are so practical it's not even funny. Yeah, like <laughs> ca- like cave rim, cave women from uh, Mars, they have these helmets that you can clearly tell are like cheese ball containers yeah. that have just had like things cut out of them. And you're like, you know what? I really appreciate it. Well, you have this. to remember if he's dating it to fifties and sixties, he's making, you know, it's, he's making the monsters as accurate as he can back to the time, which is using, you know, I mean, whatever you have, you but know, it just, it just adds that much more like chutzpah, chutzpah. To, <laughs> to the, to the thing because it puts you in that time period. Yeah. I mean, these are just so much fun. And now these are definitely more on the sci-fi side of things. But, you know, we do all, you know, it's this is a horror sci-fi podcast. So, um, and a lot of them actually are, you know, like Where Skeeto Nazi Hunter. That was, you know, that was technically, what did it say? Where Skeeto, 2016. You know, that one had horror in the, you know, horror sci-fi war. So, I mean, that's why we reviewed that one. Because yeah. there was a genre of horror in there. But nonetheless, I mean, horror and sci-fi are just so close together to me and i'm just i have to just talk to this guy because i have so many questions for him and um 
Yeah, I'm very excited because... And we got to let them know that we just absolutely respect the hustle. Oh, dude, I mean, <laughs> I, at 100%. I know, I know he's able to fund... Because he... Uh, cause, <laughs> After, like, I think it was Demon with the Atomic Brain, I was actually reading the credits, because usually I don't. I'll just get up and go, you know, go to the bathroom or whatever. I was reading the credits, and there's a there's a website he has where you can go. It's uh, We'll get to that, you know, once he gets on the phone. But you can go there, look at all of his films, and uh, you can contribute to help, you know, like, fund the movie. So th- I know that's how he's done it for, I don't know how many, but... Probably a lot, you know, hey, help contribute, and you get your name in the credits, which is really cool. I'm going to... Oh, yeah. The new one that he's doing, um, I can't remember the name of it, but I've got it written down for when we get him on the phone. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give my 25 bucks, get my, you know, put the Frightmares podcast... Oh, hell yeah. ...in the credits, you know. Um, So it's really cool how he's able to do this, but I mean, still, just still, like, shooting... You know, directing and editing it all and putting one together a year is like I don't even I don't even know how it's done. <laughs> I don't even like it's just him and you know the the small circle around him that he has helping him do this. It's not yeah. It's shoot. Not. And so and I'll ask him this again. Um, but I heard an interview with him where he was like, yeah, basically half of the interior sets are just like done in my unfinished basement. Like I've built like a small sound stage down there. That's amazing. So he's <laughs> amazing. He's he's doing like everything around his house and like in his basement. So I want to know what the transition process is from like scene to scene. How much like what are your props looking like in yeah. your house? Seriously, because on, on some of these, like the ones that are you know featured mainly in outer space, you can tell that you know it's a very small room. But it's like, yeah, how many sets do you create for an average movie? Because unless he's just kind of reworking them and moving stuff around, either way, it's impressive. I, I got to know how many, typically how many sets he uses. Because a lot of the times he'll use the woods, which that's going to be the easiest thing to use. Because yeah, it's no, there. <laughs> no set involved, you, you know, all that stuff. So I have to know, you know, how many sets you use. And it's just so many questions. So many questions. Um, nonetheless, I'm very excited because, and if you haven't, if you haven't seen any of these, for the love of God, please. All of them besides three are on Amazon. The only three that aren't on Amazon are It Came From Another World, Destination Outer Space, and then the newest one, The Phantom Lake Kids and the Unseen Invasion. I had to go to his website and go through Vimeo and rent. The, uh, well, I, didn't, I haven't seen Phantom Lake Kids and the Unseen Invasion yet, but I rented the other two for like two bucks. I was like, whatever. Yeah. I'll pay the two dollars. No big deal. I'm just, but I also want to ask him, like, why, why aren't those on Amazon? Because every, every, other, every other one is. So you can go watch them if you have Prime and you're in the US. I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know about outside the US, but you can, you literally have access to 12 out of 15 of these if you want to go watch them like right now. Pause the episode, go watch all of them and come back. Come back. It might take you like, you know, a few days or a week, but you know. At an hour and something a piece, you can knock out. I mean, I've knocked out three, four in a day because yeah. it's like an hour and change. So, oh, I'm so excited. Um, anything else you want to say before we get I, this, this guy on the phone? Let's fucking do it. All right. Um, it's and actually fun. Well, not fun fact, but uh, I, there's a song that's played in uh, the Monster Phantom Lake. It's called Rockin' and Rollin'. And I asked him if we could use it for the transition music between. Our little intro. Yeah. And he's like, I was like, can you send me that in an email? He's like, even better. I, you can download it from this website. And I was like, done. So <laughs> All I'll, right. I'll play it for me and you when we go on break because it's absolutely awesome. Dope. And uh, we will be right back with Mr. Christopher R. Mim. I've got a tale to tell. I hope I tell it well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A rockin', a rollin', all the way a ramblin', oh yeah. 
right, hello, welcome back to episode 84 of Frightmares. Uh, I'm your host, Austin. That's my co-host, Corey, over there. hey And on the phone, we have director, writer, editor, producer, he does all the things, Mr. Christopher R. Mim. Hi. Hello, how are you doing, bud? I'm doing pretty good. It's good to have you on the show, uh, because, uh, like, like we said on our little intro about, I don't know, 40 episodes, 50 episodes ago, we did a creature feature episode, and, you know, it was Corey's recommendation was wear Skeeto Nazi Hunter. And I'm like, what the <laughs> what have you stumbled <laughs> upon? Um, and I didn't get it at first because, you know, we had never heard uh, of you or your movie. So watching it, I'm like, this is I don't understand what is going on. Yeah, and we, then, we could not make heads or tails <laughs> of what was going on. <laughs> and we were reading the trivia. That is my favorite reaction always. <laughs> well, we were reading trivia on the show when we were doing it. And Corey came across this and it said, you know, this is part of the Mimiverse. And I'm like, okay what the hell is the memiverse and, uh, and what that, is this and that ended up completely derailing our episode for like the next 15 <laughs> minutes we we ended up doing like a semi deep dive of like who the fuck is this guy what is going on and as we delved deeper we were like oh okay now i get what's going on we went back and rewatched the movie like separately and we came back and we were like okay this makes a whole lot more sense yeah. now and we have a much greater appreciation for what's going on on the screen. Cause the first time you're just like, what? Yeah. It's like, okay. I look, it's like, I was like, this is made in 2016. It's in black and white. It's kind it's kind of cheesy. I'm like, I don't, is this the artistic direction? And then, you know, you find out, Oh, it's, it's made after like fifties and sixties sci-fi kind of right. driving movies. And I'm like, Oh, it's like, this makes so much more sense. And then, you know, we find out you've got like 15 movies. And I'm like, this guy's cranking one out a year. How, how is this? How are you doing this? I'm just, I was like, uh it's sheer force of will uh, <laughs> at this point. You know, it's funny. It's like, it's like, uh, it's become madness, right? It's gone beyond just like, I want to make a cheesy movie to, I can't stop myself. You know, <laughs> uh, it's, it's really just, I don't know. It, it started off as this 2006, I released a movie called the, the monster phantom Lake, which was just, I wanted to make a cheesy monster movie. Cause I love those movies. And, and, uh, I had so much fun doing it and we got a really good response. So I made another one uh, and then another one. And then it just became the thing I do. Um, and it just, it, it's been really, I mean, it's been really fun and, and, and it keeps me going. So it was just this weird thing that, that snowballed that it was just like, I was really wanted to make a movie. I didn't really kind of care what uh, I just wanted to make a movie. I've been obsessed with the movie since I was little and I finally made one and it was getting good reactions. So I'm like, well, I should make more people. Clearly this is what they want. <laughs> and and i don't know it was just it became a weird thing it became and, and it's it's taken on a life of its own and that's that's been i think probably for me the most fun i'm having with it is that it has taken on a life of its own and i do come across a lot of people who are like so i was flipping through amazon and i came across this movie called where Skeeto nazi hunter which seems to be <laughs> the one title that really grabs people yeah <laughs> uh, and then it goes from there and it becomes I'm most proud of the fact that it's become, like you guys said, like a deep dive. It becomes a rabbit hole. You see one movie and you're like, I don't know what the hell this fucking thing is, but I'm going to look deeper. And then you look deeper and you're like, Jesus Christ, how deep does this go? And for me, it's not even how deep does this go, but it's how deep does this go and how does it still stay like the same quality all the way through? Like it's, it doesn't, all the movies like are, 
at a baseline just straight up enjoyable. Oh yeah. Like the quality just skates through all the way. The the time limit on them is almost nothing. It's like an hour it's, three, hour nine. I mean it's just it's, there's such low time commitment movies that you well, see. Well, well, you know those old movies were, you know, and that's the thing is like the first the first, I don't know, three or four movies I made, you know, they're 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 over an hour and a half. They're more you know, like a Monster Phantom Lakes, I think 97 minutes or something, which is more of a modern film length, right? Right. Uh, at least a non-blockbuster modern film length. And I got a lot of shit for it from reviewers because those old B movies were, you know, short, cheap things that they threw in as literally the second movie in a, you know, drive-in double feature uh, that was just there to hold space for the teenagers to, you know, get it on in their cars at the drive-in <laughs> at that point. Because they'd already gotten drunk, you know, with their friends, and now they're going off to their, their cars, and, and, you know, they weren't paying attention. So they needed just, you know, a good hour, hour 10 to kill. Um, uh, and that's that's what they were. So I got a lot of, like I said, I got a lot of crap uh, for the length of them being too long. And, and the funny thing is, is once I started scaling it back to the classic length of those B movies, which is usually, you know, between 65 and 80 minutes tops. Um, I felt like the movies got better. They became more authentic and, and reviews got better. So, I mean, that was, that was, that was by design, but not at first. At first uh, I just, I wrote a movie and I was like, well, everything I wrote is going to end up in the final film, whether it belongs there or not, because I wrote it and I shot it. So <laughs> it's happening. Uh, and so I think just, some of that too is just becoming a better editor. Yeah, because I mean, you you literally so you write all these, you direct them, you edit them. I mean, that's that's impressive to do all that for fifteen movies. Like you said, I know it keeps you busy, but I mean, it's got to keep you busy because that's a, that is a lot of work to come up with the whole thing. And um, so I, I got, I guess I'll just ask this question since we're talking about this. What is your favorite part of the creative process? Is it writing, directing? Is it is it the costumes or like I, I got to know what your favorite part is of the movie process. Well, it's funny. Um, I, you know, when I first started, I really didn't have any clue what the hell I was doing. Uh, and so everything just weirdly felt like it fell into place. Uh, and then suddenly I had a movie. So my experience early on was very much like, uh, you know, winging. It. And now I have it down to a process, right? So I know how long it takes me roughly to write a script. Uh, and if you've seen it, some of my movies and heard some of my dialogue, you know, it doesn't take that long, <laughs> uh, but you know, I know. And then the pre-production process and then the filming process and the editing process. And I have everything down to um, just uh, like a process that I follow and I know how long it's going to take. Um, and honestly, it's funny. Like um, I, I like writing, but it's, it's always different with each movie. Some movies just seem, some of the scripts just sort of came out like, uh, I made a movie called The Giant Spider, and that one, I just, it, it just sort of, there was no trouble with it. Um, it just came out. Um, and it was it was quick and easy, and everything seemed to flow, and it just made sense. Like it, it almost showed up fully formed in my head or something. But then there's other ones that are just a slog to get through, because I'm just like, well, what do I do next? What happens next? Uh, oh, this is a good idea, but now I gotta go back and change stuff. You know, it's just, the writing process can be fun, but also frustrating so it's not my favorite but i don't hate it okay. um pre-production is always kind of nebulous because it's like often that's when i turn it over to other people who are helping me to like make monster costumes or come up with 
costumes or hair or props or whatever. So that becomes more of a, from my point standpoint, more of like a management thing where it's like, okay, are you doing this? Are you doing this? So it's, it's not exactly fun, but it's not difficult. Um, but it's just, yeah. Then you get into shooting, which I think is actually the hardest part, right? Because you actually have to, there's so much work that goes into shooting. And then you also have to deal with other people, which isn't always fun. Uh, and, you know, it's just, it can be, it can be really difficult. Um, it's rewarding, but it's probably my least favorite part of actually doing it, simply because it's, it seems like 10 times more work than all the rest. Um, and I think it's just because there are so many moving parts, it's like herding cats and it just it becomes <laughs> difficult. Um, once I get into the editing process, and I know I have a movie in the can, I don't need to shoot anything anymore. I think that's when I really feel like I'm happiest. So, um, because that's when I feel like all that work and all the things that were nebulous and, and, and weird about the whole process come together and it's no longer a concept, it's, it's a movie coming together, you know? Right. You can start seeing the fruits of all the things. You can see the ideas, you can see the disappointments and all the things that you wish you would have done differently, but uh, accepting the things that it is. Uh, and so for me, when, when, when I'm editing, it can be tedious, but it's also, it's nice because then it's after you've edited, say a minute of footage or a scene or whatever, when you can really see, okay, this is the movie as it is. This is what it's going to look like. This is how it's going to feel. This is how the music is going to be. Um, and for me, that's when I feel like, okay, I'm making a movie. At the end of this process, I will have me a movie. Uh, and so that's probably my favorite thing. And then, of course, once it's done, it's like it's out there. Um, and that's awesome. But that's really short-lived, that that part. Um, you know, it's like like taking a cool road trip, right? And now it's it's over. It's great that you got where you had to go, but it's over now. So you got to drive home. Uh, and so it's it's just you know it's it's not it's awesome to do it. It's good to do. You know I love doing screenings and events. But after it's done, it's like it's out there and and it's out of my hands to a certain extent. And so I just I start to well, what's next? You know, and start getting into that. Um, just and that's I think that dragon is one of the things I'm always chasing. You know, just like uh, that sort of the thrill of, of creating something, uh, however ridiculous it may be. Um, but it's, it's just fun. And so, like I said, once it's out, it's kind of that process is over and I have to start over or else, you know, you kind of lose the, you lose the, I don't know, the, the excitement of it. Okay. Cause it's fun to watch people watch it. And it's fun to discuss it. And it's fun to, like I said, go to screenings and, you know, see how people react and, and talking about it. But, but, the creation of it is over. Right. Did you have something to say? Well, and circling, circling back <clears throat> to the creative side, you said that shooting was kind of difficult. I had listened to an interview with you where you would, uh, they were talking about interior shots and you said that a lot of your, um, interior shots, um, at one point were like shot out of your half finished basement and yep. stuff like that. How, how difficult is it to, set so many scenes like that like is that still a thing that happens and if so like what what is your prop storage yeah like i mean like, like if you have so many scenes in a movie i mean are you constantly switching them out are you kind of just reworking a set kind of over and over because that's what i'm curious about because i know some of these some of these movies have just so many different sets and you're like that's got to be a lot of work to do for real well i think part of the the 
part of the plus of me being the guy who's also writing these movies is as I'm writing, I can think about things I have access to, right? Uh, which has made my life a heck of a lot easier. Um, just being able to uh, know that, okay, well, if I need this thing and I don't have access to it, I could probably just build something. Like I made a movie uh, called Attack of the Moon Zombies that takes place entirely on a, a lunar base. And I, knowing I have this, this space in my house that has basically become the studio, um, I wrote the script and worked it all around the idea of being able to um, build these sets. And they're simplistic and easy to do uh, and definitely not up to code. Um, <laughs> but they don't need to be. You know, it's like, it's like movie props. You see movie props uh, from a cool movie you really like, and then when you finally see it up close, you're like, God, that looks cheap as shit. Um, and that's only because, you know, it only needs to last to shoot the damn thing. It doesn't need to be, you know, usable. It doesn't need to actually support weight or whatever. Uh, it just needs to look good. And so it's, 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 it's funny. Like I'll, I'll, like I said, I'll write scripts that, that are built around things I know I can build or have access to or simple stuff like, in, you know, wear Skeeto. And some of the times uh, I'll build, uh, I'll write something knowing that like I had say half a st set standing from the movie before it, that I could just redress and, and, add on to and make it um you know something else um but you know early on everything we did was was places that i knew i had access to and then we started building sets and then that became too much where we were building too many sets and i felt like i had to get back to using natural locations and now it's a mix of the two um but again it's it's all about um pre-planning a lot of this stuff to make my life easier uh like for my first movie the monster family like it's all shot outside in the in the woods or by a lake which is very easy to come by i didn't have to think about any of that as soon as we found a place where we could shoot we just shot the whole thing there um like i said with moon zombies it was like well we're just gonna have to build a crap ton of sets and we did and it took a long time to do it all um but again they're cheap sets uh, a lot of it was built so that we could tear down part of one and rebuild it into something that looked similar enough to be on the same moon base and and would just go from there. And, you know, it's it's probably more work than it sometimes needs to be, but we have no money to use or, uh, you know, and we're all, none of us are really set builders per se, other than the, the shit we've made up along the way that works for us. Uh, and... Yeah, we've just gone from there. That's awesome. I mean, uh, it's the, it's just crazy that you have a basement. And you're like, all right, this is what we're gonna do. I mean, how like how big is the basement? Because some of these sets, you know, you're like, okay, this seems like you know, like the little was the diner from Where Skeeto was that that was in your basement? Oh yeah. Wow. I mean, and see, that's the thing though. That's the beauty of um, you know, the the magic of movies, I guess. Uh, you know how like when you go somewhere and and you've seen it on a movie or even you see like I don't know, you go to see a baseball game or some, something or a football game or something in an actual stadium. And you, you realize like this place seems a lot smaller than it looks on TV. Hmm. Uh, there's something about the magic of movies that can create uh, this illusion of bigness um, that, that serves me well. I mean, the, the room itself is probably 15 by 25. I mean, it's not huge. Uh, 
and it it takes up you know it's just it's it's basically the room where my furnace is i'm in minnesota and you know uh, we have a nice furnace to keep us warm during these cold months um and the funny thing is is like it's like this just big concrete you know room uh that really wasn't getting any use it was just being used for storage and so i threw all that stuff in the garage which i can uh, now no longer put cars in my wife loves that um <laughs> And and we just turned it into a studio. And the funny thing is, is like the first time we really, really did it uh, was for my fourth movie, which is called Terror from Beneath the Earth. Quick story. Probably won't be that quick, but I like to talk and you're <laughs> stuck. Oh, right go now. for it. Go for it. Yeah, go just, for it. Seriously. This is happening. No, do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for my fourth movie, I was going to do something other than what I did, but it kept like all the ideas we had kept falling through. Uh, mostly because I was going trying to work with um, one of the the actors who was in a bunch of my movies in the beginning, um, and his wife was was pregnant at the time, and it just it wasn't going to work out timing wise. So I started getting too late in the year to shoot something outside unless I wanted to do it in the winter, which I really didn't. And even when I did later, when I made a movie called Guns of the Apocalypse, I really wish I hadn't because that sucked. Um, but I had to come up with an idea because I wanted to keep this one movie a year thing going. It's always been important to me that I, I wanted to do this. So I came up with this idea to make this movie called Terror from Beneath the Earth about a man-sized bat monster in a cave. And I didn't have access to an actual cave, but I thought, you know what? If I just take the unfinished storage room and move stuff around, I could paper mache a cave into my basement. Which, when I think back to it, is probably the craziest thing I ever thought of doing. I mean, who the hell thinks I'm just going to paper mache my entire basement? Um, and I remember bringing it up <clears throat> to my wife at the time. Um, because I was running ideas by her, and she was like, oh, I guess you're just going to run out of time. And I'm like, no, 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 I came up with the perfect idea this year. She's like, what? What are we going to do? <laughs> you know, she's an actress. Uh, and she likes being a part of this, but not as much as I do. I don't I don't know that she loves it being our life all the time, um, but she likes participating. Uh, and she's an actor and she wants to be in stuff. Um, so I said, look, I have this idea. I want to do a movie about a bat monster in a cave. And she goes, where the hell are you going to get a cave? I said, here's the brilliant idea. We're going to paper mache the basement into a cave. And there was just a beat. She looked at me and she's like, no, you're not. Like, I was like, no, 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 listen, listen. There's more to it. And she's like, what? I'm like, you are one of the leads. And she's like, all right, I'm in. <laughs> nice. I was like, sweet. So I, I paper mache the basement into a cave. And uh, funny thing is, of course, um, that was the year that my uh, my furnace died twice. Oh no. So, so it felt like an help. actual cave? <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was funny because, like, the first guy, you know, came over to fix it, came, and of course, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm sure he gets this a lot. It's always like, oh shit. Uh, I just said, now before you go downstairs, <laughs> you know, in the back of his head, he's like, ah, oh, son of a bitch, oh, the dungeon, it's sex wing, it's something, right? I'm like, no, before you go downstairs, just so you're aware. It's a cave. And he's like, what? I'm like, you know, I just, I'm, I make these movies and, and, you know, they're cheesy B movies and, and I paper machine my basement into a cave. So, you know, just so you're not totally surprised when it, 
when you see it. And he's like, okay. And he went down there and the whole time he was just like freaked out. I swear to God. And I was just sort of down there with him. And he was just, he seemed like he got it done really fast and got the hell out of there as fast as possible. <laughs> and a week later it broke again. So I don't think he actually did the job. And so they sent out another guy and the same thing. I'm like, so before you go down there, he's like, oh, okay, what? I tell him and he's like, oh, that's cool. What? I got to see this. So he goes down there and I'm telling him all about it. He spends all this time fixing it, asking all these questions. And he's like, this is so cool. I cannot. He's like, when is this coming out? And I'm like, probably next year. He's like, I'm going to be there. Uh, can I give you my email address or something? I want to go. He showed up to the premiere. It was awesome. Nice. But uh, yeah, that was, that was, of course, the year that that had to happen. But to get to your point of the question you asked about the size of the place, one of my favorite things that I've ever, favorite comments I ever got about that was, like I said, it's, it's, it's very much an illusion of, of size that you can pull off pretty easily because of movies. That's just, it's the magic of it. For that same movie, Terror from Beneath the Earth, one of the stars of the movie brought his dad to the premiere and um he was telling his dad all about it oh yeah he built this cave in his basement it's totally crazy it looked super fake but also really cool and you'll love it so after the movie the guy comes out and he turns to uh the 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 guy who's in the movie his dad turns to him and says okay you said that guy shot that in his basement right how the fuck big is this guy's basement <laughs> And he's like, you should see it. It's not that big. He's like, but it looks huge. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's the magic, man. <laughs> that was going to actually be one of my questions was about that movie because I saw, you know, like the cave behind it. I was like, I feel like it's paper mache, but I, I have no idea. And you, what you answer that question is just paper mache. I mean, I mean, good grief. How, how long did that take to do just that one little, the little set that you have there? Uh, well, that one was, was the entire room. Oh my God. Except for the, except for the furnace. <laughs> So that ended up, I mean, it took, I don't know, probably a good two weeks to do the whole thing. And then you had to paint it and there's all this stuff that went into it. But um, it was, I mean, it was fun to do. You know, I had my kids helping and they just thought it was crazy. Right. Uh, and just fun. It's like, we're paper mache in the basement. <laughs> I mean, that's the funny thing about that room too. Now is like when you go in there, there are all these remnants of all these different movies in there, like the history of all the films, where if you look up in the rafters, you still see little bits of paper mache, right? Uh, you see different colors on the floor that we painted it from. Uh, okay, this color is from Wereskito. This color is from Demon with the Atomic Brain. And it's just all these crazy things where you can, you can point out sort of the history of all the crazy shit we've done down there based on what's on the wall or the, you know, the paint drip over there or this thing here. And it, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of insane. And <laughs> we have a pretty, like you'd asked about the prop shelf and all that stuff. There's, there's a lot of props and, and, and stuff. I, I end up, um, uh, as far as like props and stuff though, uh, if there's something that I don't know if I'll necessarily use again, um, I often will, will, um, auction it off auction things off for fans of the films to help sort of make up the budget. Um, when we do like the world premieres, we'll always do like silent auctions. And there's, there's a handful of fans that like have pretty extensive collections of stuff from, from the films that they've, you know, picked up um, at, at events or whatever um, that 
like I said, has helped offset a lot of the costs to make it so that I'm not losing money by making these movies. I mean, now I'm totally jealous because after because I. <clears throat> Over the past couple of weeks, I've just been I've watched them from Phantom of uh, Monster Phantom like all the way up to the last one I watched was Queen of Snakes. I haven't watched the new new one from this year, uh, the Phantom Lake Kids in the I think the Unseen Invasion. And yeah. now I'm jealous because I could have had props from those movies. Like now I'm like super jealous, and so now I guess I'll have to just keep up with uh... because this is arguably like. <clears throat> It, it, it has stepped into the realm of, like, cult status. Uh, for me, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, is... it's, it's one of those things that, like, the one, part of the beauty of it is that it's, it's all almost one full cohesive project. Like, well, yeah, because he's, like, I mean, he's got, you know, as, as I was watching them, like, back to back to back, you know, over the past couple of weeks, you can see, like, there's references to other movies, and then the same characters come back, like, the deputies. I mean, the deputies are my, my favorite Little people that come back throughout the movies are hilarious. I think it's one of them is Sven, and the other one is um. Oh yeah, yeah, Sven <laughs> and um, top, yeah. yeah, they're they're freaking hilarious. So I just love the fact that you really you know he referenced you reference just pretty much any chance you can like oh you know Phantom like University or or stuff like that. It's it's actually really cool that it all kind of ties together. Um, now I do want to know kind of what started all of this. So why don't we go back to like you know. Like what got you into? Because obviously, you know, I'm a, I know you have to be a fan of like creature features and old sci-fi movies. So, like, oh, yeah. what, you know, what is your what was your first experience with that? And then, how did that transition you into wanting to, you know, do this pretty much full time? Well, see, uh, what's funny is, you know, I I was born in the late seventies, right? And my dad was born in in the late forties, and and growing up, my dad was a big sci-fi horror guy. And so he grew up in a small town in Minnesota. And this is like, I'm going really back into the family history here, but uh, you know, he, he grew up in a small town in Minnesota and, and he loved the movies. He loved going to the movies and, and the town he grew up in was really small, but it did have like a little cheap main street theater that he would sneak off to and see movies. But because it was such a small market, they would get a lot of the crappy B movies. So he'd go see, you know, shitty monster movies you know, American International Pictures kind of stuff. Um, and he sort of became obsessed with it. And, and you know, he was a college in the 60s and, you know, had his, you know, got married and had kids in the 70s. And, and so uh, growing up, there was always uh, this sort of like, uh, my dad was always watching movies we couldn't watch with him necessarily. And I, I became a little, you know, interested in that, which of course stung me and, you know, really badly when, um, I was, he was watching The Exorcist and I shouldn't have been, um, and he didn't know it and it messed me up for far too long. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he would share the, the sort of cheesy horror movies and monster movies that he grew up on with, with my brothers and I, and I think I was more interested in just, I was more into it than not. And of course, growing up in the, the eighties and stuff, I loved, you know, eighties movies and, and, you know, like Ghostbusters is my favorite movie of all time. And, and so there was a lot of sort of overlap and I became very sort of obsessed with the movies. We'd go to the drive-in all the time when I was a kid, uh, because it was sort of the end days of a local drive-in that we could go to all the time. I grew up in Minneapolis and, and there was one on the outskirts in the suburbs that, you know, we went and saw like really cool, uh, you know, uh, just just a ton of movies. We saw E.T. there. We saw, you know, every pretty much every Friday we'd go to the drive-in in the summer. 
And so I, I just loved movies and I really wanted to make my own movie. I was very much obsessed with that uh, for as long as I can remember. And, and like anytime I could have access to like a, a video camera, I was just, you know, the big, I'm, and I'm talking like the shoulder mounted BHS bazooka cam, you know? Oh yeah. I had uh, one of those growing up. That was, those things are huge. Yeah. And it was just, <laughs> it was always fun to just sort of play with that. And then as I got older and, and decided to, you know, got into it. But uh, what happened was, is, is what, what drove me to start making a movie, start making movies uh, to really sort of push me in that direction is it's, it's two things that actually goes back to my dad again. Um, in 2000, sadly, uh, he passed away from cancer and he was only 51. And obviously that affects a guy who's at the time I was like 24. Uh, and, and I was just, you know, really sort of made me realize that, okay, I had this dream of making a movie. I should probably do it. Right. I need to do it. Life is short. Damn it. I need to make a movie. And it was always just in the back of my head. I really want to do this thing. And of course in 2000, I didn't do it. Um, I just other things going on. Uh, but then in 2004, uh, I'm married at this point and I have uh, two stepkids and one of my stepkids was diagnosed with cancer. And I was like, it's getting dark, Jesus. Um, but, uh, at that point, I think it was like, you know what? Life really is short. I'm like an overweight guy in my late twenties and, you know, creeping up on 30 here. And I have a, a healthy stepchild who's now not healthy and is, is go undergoing cancer. And it's like, I felt surrounded by, it. I was like, God damn it. I'm going to do something that I've always wanted to do because I have to, because dang it. If, if my dad can die of it and my kid can get sick, I'm next. You know, that was the feeling. It was just like, I'm next. I'm the unhealthy one. I'm going to, I'm going to die soon. So I need to get on this. So one of the things that we kind of did, which is kind of interesting about this is, is um, during my daughter's treatments is that my stepson and I, and my, uh, at the time, I, my son, Elliot, who was two, uh, we, st I, I involved them all in the sort of making of this movie. And it became a bit of a family project during a rather difficult time. Um, and like my stepdaughter, when she was home and feeling well, would, would help us with, uh, we created the, the monster costume for the monster phantom lake and all this stuff. And I just, it kept me very busy, but it was also like, I was driven cause I was very much like, I'm going to die. I need to do this now. Um, and I just kind of did it. And part of the reason why I decided to make this cheesy monster movie was as a tribute to my dad, cause he loved those movies. And I very much associated those types of movies with my dad. And I was like, you know, I would love to make my own cheesy monster movie. What the hell? Let's do it. And then we just did it. And then my 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 daughter finished her finished her treatments and and we did the premiere and it was amazing. And then from then on, it was just like, this is something I want to do. I've finally done it and I don't want to do anything else. There's nothing else I really want to do. Uh, and for the record, uh, this is back in 2004. She was diagnosed. She finished her chemo in 2005. She is now. Uh, perfectly healthy and doing well and uh living her best life so uh all good on that that's good but, to hear uh, seriously that that's got to be i mean that's got to be terrible terribly scary to go through for someone at that you know that age i mean i mean holy it, cow and it really yeah and it really it really changes just your perspective on things you know i mean it's like uh, losing your parents uh is obviously rough it was it's very hard and of course i still miss my dad stay but there's something weirdly natural about outliving your parents, right? Right. Um, that's the way it's supposed to go. Um, but then when you have a kid, uh, you know, thrust into this horrible 
disease that could potentially take her life, it really fucks with you. It really messes up your outlook on things, but it also gives you perspective on just like sort of, uh, you know, how short and fragile life really is. And if you don't do the things you always want to do, what the hell is the point? You know? So that's kind of uh, what propelled you into making these movies. Now, did you have like the Mimiverse in mind or is that something that kind of just came later because you found something that you really like doing and you just wanted to keep going down that path? Well, it kind of evolved um, because originally um, when I decided, you know, okay, I'm making this movie down and I started writing the monster phantom lake, like I said, as a, as a tribute to my dad, but then also just because I love cheesy monster movies. And I was like, you know, this might be something I could actually do. <laughs> I could probably handle this and maybe it'll be good and maybe it'll be terrible, but that'll make it good. You know, it was like <laughs> approaching it a little from that angle. But then I remember I had a discussion with Josh Craig who played professor Jackson in the movie. Um, we talked about, I was like, you know, I don't know if I'll ever make another movie. This may be the only movie I ever make, but it's something I want to do. So maybe we make the monster Phantom Lake. We get a thousand DVDs made. We hold a premiere, which was always the, the goal. We hold a premiere and we show it to our friends and family. And maybe we sell a couple of them. And then five years, we'll be sitting on the couch being like, what are we going to do with those 800 DVDs still sitting in the garage? <laughs> you know, like that would be the end of it. But then we released it and we got a lot of positive press and a bunch of film festivals were picking it up. And I sold through that first thousand in like, I don't know, six months. Wow. Which for someone who did not know what they were doing, and this is sort of earlier days of the internet really before it, you know, it started catching on as an e-commerce thing. And it was just like, wow, we're doing really well. We should probably make another one. Let's make another one. And so we decided to make this other one, um, which is called It Came From Another World. And I decided at the time, I was like, well, the Monster Family did really well. At least it's getting a lot of good press. Why don't we take all the things people love about that movie and turn them up to 11? That always works. And of course, I picked out all the things that annoyed people more, um, <laughs> not re realizing that like people laughing at things or enjoying things wasn't necessarily because they love them so much as it was like that sort of awkward humor of something like the office, right? Where it's just like the cringe factor is what you're laughing at, not necessarily the actual jokes. So I misinterpreted a lot and made this movie. It came from the world. Um, and it's not my best work admittedly. Um, but I, 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 I realized it was like, well, okay, so it's gotta be a sequel sort of, but it's got to stand alone because I want people to be able to see either one and not be lost, which explains, and this is, this is spoilers to anyone who has never seen them, but you know, the movie's been up for 15 years. I, I think I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, yeah, you're good. <laughs> you know, the canoe cops basically die in the monster Phantom Lake, but then suddenly they're inexplicably back and it came from another world, <laughs> which, um, you know, it was, it, again, it was standalone and, and, but it was also tied in because it took that Professor Jackson character from, character from the Monster Phantom Lake, put him in a new adventure. And then uh, I made Cave Women on Mars, which was another you know, extension of that, of like, let's take some of these characters and, and, and link them together. And it kind of just organically became this thing that as I made more and more movies, they became more and more connected. Uh, and then it became a bit of a, a personal challenge to see how much I could make something standalone, but also throw in tons of Easter eggs for people who've seen them all that wouldn't 
be so blatant as to make someone who has no idea what it is be completely confused by it. But then also for the people who do get it, they might laugh at it. And the person they're with that has never seen it's like, I don't get it. Why are you laughing? You're like, well, because, you, you know, and the other forget it. You'd have to see it. <laughs> oh, that's funny because um, I'll just rattle off my top five real quick because I, th- I think it's you might. I don't know, because you said uh, it came from another world. It was not one of your best, but I personally love that one. And my number one uh, of all time, Demon with the Atomic Brain, love that one. Uh, I just couldn't get enough of that movie. And the number two is actually it came from another world. I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed the monster in that. And then uh, Cave Woman on Mars. Yeah, Cave Cave Woman uh, Cave Women on Mars is uh, my number two, and Where Skeeto is my number one. And Cave Women from Mars, like I was, I was just cracking up the entire movie. It was, it was such a treat because, like, it was one of those movies where, like, <clears throat> I expected everything that was gonna happen. I was like, okay, I know this is gonna happen, but it did it in such like a fresh way, like. The um the banter between the captain and the um the computer. The computer. It it was <laughs> like the the working working. I I was dying every time. It never got old, even though the joke happened like four or five times. I was like, I- I'm okay with this. This is fantastic. Yeah, I really I really love that one. Uh, because yeah, I I, I like Josh Craig. I liked uh what was his name Daniel uh Sfer- I can't pr- I can't pronounce his last name, but Lieutenant Elliot in the movie he was great. Um, that'd be that'd be Dan Shervin. Shervin. The okay. J the J is an H. It's a weird Norwegian thing. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so Cave Women on Mars number three, and then we got Attack of the Moon Zombies, and then Late Night Double Feature. That's my top five out of all the ones I've seen, which is everyone besides the newest one. Um, but yeah, I just I thought I thought it came from another world it was great. I mean, am I am I also I do have a question about that one and Destination Outer Space. Those are the only two. That I could not find, well, I guess in the newest one, on Amazon. Is there a reason behind why those aren't on Amazon? Well, so Amazon uh, Prime has been really strange, right? Um, they, When they started uh, the, the sort of Prime service, they thought of themselves, uh, Amazon Prime thought of itself as a competitor for YouTube, right? And so they let kind of anybody put anything they wanted on their service. But then they started to change and realized uh, that their greatest um, competition was actually more like Netflix and other streaming services. But what happened was, is then they realized they had all these low budget indie films and stuff on their service and they didn't want to just like purge them all, right? Um, So they started changing their like, fee structure of what they'll pay you from month to month uh like cutting it in half and half and half like it used to be like 15 cents of uh a a minute right or uh 15 cents an hour which doesn't sound like a lot but now it's a cent like literally one or two cents an hour which is just ridiculous right uh and like 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 for instance and i always complain about them because they piss me off um, but like in December, for example, which is always the best month I have for streaming numbers because people are on breaks, they, they're at home, they watch movies, it's cold out, you know, <clears throat> they get together with family, whatever. Um, last December, I streamed over like my films on Amazon streamed more than 2 million minutes. Wow. Like tens of thousands of, of views of my films. And they paid me like 240 bucks. Wow. 
Holy yeah, God. so they they kind of they 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 get you. Um, but what happened was is so they started doing this thing where they started to slowly purge independent independent and low budget films from their service, and they were based on these sort of vague quote unquote community standards of of you know quality, uh, and they started dropping my movies. And the first one that went was it came from another world. And I don't know if it was because it just had a lower star rating or what. Uh, I'm sure it's based on like how many people started it and and finished it or started it and abandoned it. They have their reasons. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, and then they dropped Destination Outer Space as well, which luckily those are the only two. But they also started then dropping them from like the UK. Um, and then like I had a bunch in Germany and they dropped all those. So, I mean, they've been slowly sort of culling my stuff but i think and i hope knock on wood that it's it's sort of um balanced out now where it's like i get there's a you know like i said more than two million minutes of streaming time um i think at this point now it's like okay well the stuff that's on there people watch enough and they watch from beginning to end so maybe some of them are safe and i'm sure eventually they'll all be dropped or just sort of the best of the best that appeal to the most mainstream of people like the giant spider is my most you know popular but you know it's it's the most accessible to people who maybe not aren't big into cheesy old movies they get they get it i don't have to tell them what it's about it's right there in the title um it's on the but title yeah, card, so they, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean so they just kind of they just kind of unceremoniously drop them and so now it's just a waiting game of like when they'll they'll finally drop the rest well you can imagine um, my surprise when i you know was going through all these and i was like oh cool this one's on there and this one and this one i was like oh this is great but I and was, another one yeah and, then and I, another one and then i was like these two aren't here that's so odd i didn't know if it was just something that they wouldn't accept it but that's that's so odd that they were just like these two done everything else can stay but these two because right. those, those are some of my like i said they came from another world was one of my favorites and even um destination out of space is another great one i was like this is like like an epic, like you know, almost like Star Wars tale of flying through space and following. Um, is that that's still Captain Jackson, right? Yeah, yeah. So you're following that's, him through, you know, and then there's a that whole cliffhanger at the end. You're like, ah, I need more. Like, so it's crazy. Well, that they that's the joke that is that I call Destination Outer Space Edward's Star Wars. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. I can get that. Well, like it's funny that. too because like. Um, you know, you're you're like, oh, I love it came in the world, whereas some people hate it. But then again, you know, you can't fight with people's tastes and what they enjoy. That's you know, you can't you can't overanalyze why people like the things they do or why they hate the things they do. I mean, I've some people that just hate everything I do. Some people love everything I do. Some people are like, well, I like this one more. I don't like this one so much. And it's always all over the map. You know, I had one random guy come up to me at an event and just flat out was like. I think you peaked it. It came from another world. And it's like, really? Like a dozen more movies after that, where you're like, nah, it just never gets any better than that. Well, fine. Okay. For you, that's cool. Um, <laughs> but this is the same guy who also freaked me out because I was at this convention and he just stopped by and he's like, oh my God. Oh my God. And I'm like, what? And he's like, you made it came from the world. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I did. And he's like, let me do let me do something. It's gonna freak you out, but I gotta do it. I'm oh like, god. Okay. <laughs> he starts quoting the movie from beginning to end. Oh boy. Like verbatim. <laughs> he got through the entire like first scene and I'm like, okay, I get it. 
you're you've officially freaked me out, but that's really cool. Can I sell you on something else? <laughs> I've got like 15 other movies, man. You gotta like something else. Come on. But wow. yeah, so that was that was that was uh, that was weird. But also, it was kind of like, wow, that's kind of awesome. Someone memorized my movie. They didn't have to. <laughs> I didn't ask them to do this. He took it upon himself. All right, dude. Uh, well, I think what I what I really liked about it, of course, is Josh Craig. I I, I absolutely love uh, every movie he's in, and uh, and I have to ask since I'm on the on the topic of him, the pauses that he does was that something that he came up with or or you did because I love when he's just kind of doing the uh, uh what's his name from Star Trek William, like, William Shatner. Yeah, he's kind of doing like a Shatner almost, like where he kind of pauses and like the whole when he's like until next time. And pauses for like ten seconds, and the camera cuts back it's, and forth. It's, it's a very, very pregnant pause. Like I love the, it. The awkwardness just barely seeps in every time, and then it cuts back and goes back to normal. So was that something in the script, or did he just kind of do that himself? You know, when we when I when I wrote the Monster Fam, like I did imagine him as a Shatner esque character, and a lot of that, a lot of those pauses are written into the script with lots of ellipses. That's awesome. Ellipses. Um, and Josh and I talked about it early on about, you know, how far do we take this? Uh, and, and, and I think the consensus between he and I was take it just a little farther than it feels like it would be natural. <laughs> and, I, and I love that because yeah. it's, it's every time. And what's great about it is the pause is just slightly different length every time. Yeah. So it catches you off guard every time. I'm like, how long time. are we going to pause for this time? Okay, it's not that long. And also the, uh, the how they say computer, is that something that they just did in like the 50s and 60s? Or is that just another artistical well, choice that you're just like, I'm going to call it computer? That was, that, was, that was something I decided to do. Um, because when you watch a lot of those old movies, uh, you know, we say the word robot, right? Robot. Um, but a lot of those movies, they'd say robot. Right? I heard that. Yeah, I heard that in uh, I think there was Destination Outer Space when they said robot. I yeah. think. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I think early on when when these sort of newer words start becoming introduced into our language, and, and it's usually technology based, where people aren't sure how to say things uh, until it kind of becomes, I don't know, like the word data. You know, um, I don't hear data as much. Um, uh, robot, robot, right? And it became it becomes sort of like eventually accepted as to how things are said. Well, I thought it'd be really funny because uh, you know a computer isn't really was was still science fiction to most people in the fifties and sixties, even though they existed, but it was still more science fiction than not. Um, I thought, well, wouldn't it be funny if um, we said computer wrong and just said computer? <laughs> And the idea was that you put the, the emphasis in the wrong syllable and you don't, you don't quite say it right. You say it more like how it reads, computer. Right. <laughs> um, and, and like, I still have some actors who just cannot say it that way. Like, th their brain just takes over and they say, computer. It's like, no, computer. You know, it's like, you got to break it down into two parts. It's comp, yitter, computer. <laughs> and, and so it's now become just, just a thing. And that, that's another thing is, is there's, there's stuff like that throughout the movies that have become um, little things that, that are sort of telltale of my movies, like saying computer. You don't say computer. Compu See, I'm not even doing it now. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't I can't even say, say it right. I can't say comp <laughs> computer. Damn it, computer. Um, uh, you know, computer or like someone always gets slapped in my movies. Yeah, always. Always. Um, there's the stupid thing with the flashlights where people always turn the flashlights onto their own face. Yeah, I <laughs> I noticed that the first time in um, Destination Outer Space when Josh Craig just like flips it on in his face like three or four times. I'm like, what the hell is this guy doing? 
Well, and it just it became a thing. It's like, and then it became it, there even became an internal like like question about it uh, with the actors of just like how many times is the right times? Is it one two or is it one two three? And I'm like, well, initially it started off as just one two, but Josh Craig in Destination Outer Space did it one two three, so technically they're both right. But if I were to make it, you know, it's just like all this discussion because Jim Norgard uh, in House of Ghosts like did it three times, and I was like. I'm just gonna leave it. It's it, it works both ways. <laughs> I like that that you have you almost have like these inside jokes uh, that you've kind of created throughout your. And now now that I know the whole computer thing, I was like, maybe you know, maybe they said that in 50s and 60s drive-ins. But the fact that you've kind of just thrown that in there as your own thing makes me like that even more because it's something that you just made up. You're like, this is how we're saying it. Like that, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And I've made people do it ever since. <laughs> like, like I said, there's some actors who just can't do it, and we do the best we can, but. Uh, once you start doing it and you start just in computer, it's it it gets flipped in your head. I mean, I've heard it so many times. <laughs> like I said, I was having literally just having trouble a little bit ago saying computer. Computer. I even yeah. had to pause a little bit there to make sure I did it right. Oh my goodness, I was gonna. Oh yeah. Now uh, speaking of all your movies as kind of a whole, I've noticed a lot of. At least I think there are references. Like I know you mentioned Kessel Run in one of them, and Destination Outer Space, and I know you said Ludicrous Speed in another movie. So I feel like there's oh, yeah. a, there's a lot of references to other movies in your movies as well, which which I'm assuming that you obviously do that intentionally, right? Oh yeah, I'm a huge nerd. Um, like I said, I love I love movies, and and uh, often when I'm writing, if something just seems like a, in my head a reference to you know star wars or star trek or 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 ghostbusters like like for instance ghostbusters there's a line from ghostbusters in every single movie i've ever made um some are more obvious than others but i take a line from there somewhere in every movie uh just to do a little reference here and there of of a line or or even even a a visual aesthetic or something that references stuff that that i like and some of it is 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 super super weird and small and like you know i've had people who are just like okay i think this is from this movie was it like yeah oh yeah it was <laughs> now i uh, here's here's two i actually have a question about speaking of references because in the giant spider there was a mrs nesbitt wrench mention now i don't know if that was a toy story reference but that's what oh I, it was oh so then boom okay and then also in the same movie i saw lone pine twin pine and i'm assuming that's back to the future absolutely oh see okay so because I, I was like mrs nesbitt i was like okay that could just be a random coincidence but i was like i, I immediately thought toy story so i well and on top of that you know that that mrs nesbitt thing is from when buzz is is having crazy. the tea party yeah. and losing his mind <laughs> yeah. and if you look at it you know they're having a little tea party and he's got a little hat on just like just like uh, buzz lightyear did with uh, the monster kind of lake doll that is amazing so, I love yeah that. i mean that was little stuff like that of just like you know if you if you're a a, a movie buff you should be able to pick up on a lot of it. i mean some of it's like i said some of it's blatant some of it is really not well speaking of movie buffs uh well i know you said ghostbusters is one of your favorites but like uh what, what kind of you know sci-fi horror like what what are some of your favorite movies that you could just put on at any time like i need to watch this right now because this is one of my favorites honestly uh i, I mean i'll I, i'm a huge star wars fan i'll take anything star wars i don't care i'm i'm i, I won't take any any sides on any debate about new stuff versus old stuff. If there's a goddamn lightsaber in it, I'm in. <laughs> I love that. Perfect. That's exactly how I am. I'm in the same way. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's like, just, you know, argue all you want. I don't care. There's a lightsaber. That's awesome. <laughs> and um, as an addendum to that, 
are there any like directors that really maybe aren't even, you know, your favorite movies, but are there any directors that you kind of look up to or that stand out to you in any special fashion? Well, I mean, there's, 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 there's different ones from different eras. Uh, if we're going back to the fifties, uh, if you're talking about like directors, I really like from back then, uh, one of my favorites is Bert I Gordon, uh, who made like the amazing colossal man, um, earth versus the spider. Um, he made a lot of like uh, sci-fi horror movies back in the fifties and sixties. Um, and I really like him partially too, because he's from the Midwest. Like he's from Wisconsin and actually moved to Minneapolis first before going out to Hollywood. Uh, and he was kind of a more of an independent filmmaker back then than the studios sort of the way the studio system was back then. And I kind of respect that just because he was doing his own damn thing. And uh, people were like, hey, let's throw some money at this guy. And yet he was still making these sort of like cheesy movies with like really good special effects for the era. Because uh, he was kind of a special effects guy, and I, I like that. I like his his style. Um, but then you get into you know the stuff I grew up on, and you have like Spielberg. Um, I really like John Carpenter. Yes, uh, my nice. man. Nice. Uh, John Carpenter I mean, is my favorite director of all time. <laughs> well, see, what I like about John Carpenter too is like I feel like even when the studios were trying to sort of hem him hem him in to sort of I don't know skirt the Hollywood line to follow the formulas, he doesn't. He's like, no, I'm going to do my own damn thing. You can throw money at me, but I'm still going to do my own damn thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I reference um, Prince of Darkness as that because it's such a far cry away from everything else he ever did. And you could very much tell that he was like, I'm doing this for me. Yeah, that was one of yeah. my favorite Carpenters is Prince of Darkness. It's just I, you don't see stuff like that anymore. Seriously. Well, and see, like as a as a as a sci fi nerd. Um, they live is one of my favorite movies ever. It's so good. Yes. I, you, I don't hear that enough from people is that they like that movie. No one talks about that enough. So that's, I, that is an amazing answer. I, I love the subversive element of it. It's the same reason why I really like the movie Starship Troopers. Uh, it's a terrible B movie, right? But it has this really submer subversive angle to it that people don't generally catch. They don't pick up on that. I like the sort of like the, the, I don't know. There's, there's, there's satire in there that I feel like people can't see past the pretty dumb, terrible actors um, and the stupid giant bugs. You know, it's the same thing with they live. It's like, it's not, it's not the greatest movie ever made. And Roddy Roddy Piper's not great. <laughs> he's amazing in that. Right. And the fight uh, where he's trying to get uh, Keith David to put on the damn glasses, or is it, is it David Keith or Keith David? God, I'm having a moment. Uh, it's Keith David. Keith David, yeah. see? Oh. Uh, when they fight in the sort of the, 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 the alley is still one of the best damn things ever committed to film. <laughs> I can agree with that. Just, I can agree with that. It just goes on and on. And it's so ridiculous. And there's all these like false endings. And then it starts again. And it's so, it's just, it's funny, violent, and just like, I don't know, it just, it works. And it's over, just like, put on a fucking pair of glasses, would you? Just and put it, them on. <laughs> put on the sunglasses! And the you whole, know? you and know, like, just... undertone of the commercial government and stuff like that, you know, they're, they're right. yeah, like, it's just, it's got, like, such an underlying, like, interesting message that, like I said, you, you don't really see stuff like that anymore. So. No. And, too, just, like, the, the one-liners in it are still, the fun, 
the funny thing about that is like the one-liners in that aren't great like they're great because they're so stupid half the time right <laughs> is you that know the one where is that the one i'm trying to think where he's like i came here to do like chew bubble gum and kick yes, ass and i'm, I'm all, all out of bubble gum, out of bubble gum. That, right okay, it's yeah. like <laughs> that's almost a great line but it's really not <laughs> but it's so awesome Okay, so Carpenter, they live. All right, that's uh, uh, some solid answers. Now, I know you you know you like sci-fi, and you, you do like the '80s. Now, is there is there a decade that you prefer to watch over anything else? Like, do you find yourself watching more of the '50s and '60s stuff, or more of like '80s stuff? Because for me, it's '80s. It, it, I just I can't get enough of of the '80s. Well, I think um, you know I'm I'm all over the place. I like a lot of modern stuff. Um... You know, I admit I, I love comic book movies. I'm a huge, like I said, I'm a huge nerd. I get I get sucked into the, uh, you know, the the blockbuster thing. I, I I love a good movie that I don't care if it's totally manipulating me. I love it if it can manipulate manipulate me just right. I don't care. Um, I I'm I'm not much of a movie snob. Um, and I do love uh, revisiting the old sort of 50s and 60s stuff. Um, I. I, I do really like a lot of stuff from all over the place. If if we're talking like sci-fi, I feel like 70s sci-fi is like a very specific thing uh, in the early 80s where you get into this or the, obviously Star Wars comes from there, but you get into this, I don't know, there's this weird, there's this weird look and feel to 70s sci-fi that I really like. Um, and it's almost like the, uh, the Battlestar Galactica effect right. of just like, and two, it's like the lenses they use and the weird like gl like glints off lights and stuff that they just don't do anymore. That just betrays the '70s. Uh, whenever you see it, that I, I like, and I think that's just from growing up with a lot of that stuff of you know wearing out the Flash Gordon VHS. Um, <laughs> but if you get into horror, I mean, obviously, I think the '80s is kind of the pinnacle of horror, right? And we're just talking horror. Yeah. Um, there's so much that comes from that that decade of things now that people are like you know trying to recreate or or they're they're i mean think of how many icons came out of the 80s you know of like recognizable horror characters like the freddies and jasons of the world right? well and speaking of that do you have a favorite horror icon or subsequently do you have um you know just a favorite all-around movie monster or movie monster archetype you know, um, I think there there'd be two sort of two things that we're talking about sort of iconic horror characters, right? Uh, I was always much more of a Nightmare on Elm Street guy. Uh, I like I I always just I I think probably because there is that fantastical element of the dream world and all that, um, and I just think Freddy's I don't know creepy, right? Uh, but also has personality in a way that some of the other ones don't. Yeah, he talks. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he talks, right. And He's not Robert, Jason who just, you know, shows up. And Robert England is just so, he gets he gets really into that character. The more you watch him, you're like, alright, you're really having fun with this. <laughs> right, exactly. And that comes through, and I, I, I like that about it, where it's like, it's it's a he has personality. Um, and that's, that's more for me the more pure sort of horror icon. Um, but uh, one of my favorite all-time uh, horror movies, again, has a bit of a sci-fi bent, and that's Alien. Wow. Oh, okay. okay yeah. that, that's, that, that tracks. Yeah, that tracks. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Uh, I first That was like one of the first uh, horror movies I ever saw all the way through. Like I said, I accidentally watched some of The, uh, the Exorcist and regretted that for a long time. But uh, um, it's probably only like 
seven years old. Wait, when you saw yeah. Alien or The Exorcist? No, The Exorcist. Um, okay. But I did see Alien for the first time when I was probably only about seven years old. Okay, uh, it's funny like that you that. say that. I don't mean to cut you off because that is literally the first horror movie I saw at about eight years old. So that is really funny. And I watched Alien and Aliens back to back. So continue. I just wanted to throw that in there because that's that's well, wild. I just I was like at like a, a sleepover at a friend's house, right? And his mom was like watching, like went to the you know the blockbuster, or the the local video store, and was like, "I got a movie for us to watch." I don't think she had any fucking clue what the hell she was making us watch. And we watched it and I was like, it scared the shit out of me. But at the same time, I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. There's like spaceships, but it's scary. Spaceships. Cool. That is so wild. Cause that's almost exactly what happened to me. I was at a friend's house and I don't think we, she went to blockbusters. They just had it. And she's like, here, I'm going to put on a movie for you guys. And I'm like, Oh yeah, cool. And then we watched the first one. And for some reason she put on the next one. And I was like, I, I can't, <laughs> I was like, I can't fucking sleep for the rest of my life. So that is hilarious yeah. that we had such a similar experience with their first horror movie. Yeah. That's probably why I didn't watch horror movies till again, until I was about 17. Cause I grew up in a Christian household. So I was traumatized for, for years after watching those oh, two back to back. Oh yeah. It was, it was crazy. Um, that's, that's that's freaking hilarious. I'm still trying to get over that. Um, what are we talking about? Oh, my God. I got so sidetracked. Uh, all right. So why don't we go back to some of your movies? Because there is a few more questions I do have. Primarily, I mean, we said, you know, you made the ba or the um, cave from uh, Terror from Beneath the Earth out of paper mache. What do you typically make the monsters out of? Like uh, fan a monster of Phantom Lake. Like he looked like he was paper mache, but he also came out of water. So there's no way that's possible. <laughs> so... It's funny, uh, even the monsters in my movie have evolved. And, and the monster Phantom Lake, um, you know, I created it with my kids, basically. And what it was is um, we just took an outfit that fit my stepson, who is the guy who's actually played all my monsters, right? Um, and um, we took some clothes, old clothes of his that, that roughly fit him. And we, we cut up a bunch of garbage bags and we taped them, you know, from from the bottom up with all these like basically leafiness coming off. Uh, and then the head was a mop bucket. And the eyes were like these like little soup strainers. And and then we just spray painted everything. And the funny thing is, like that costume, which still is like a lot of people's favorite monster of anything I've ever done, cost me like thirty five bucks. Wow. I just, I literally went to the the dollar store and just I bought a dollar mop bucket and a bunch of gar cheap ass garbage bags and some duct tape and that was kind of it. The most expensive thing on that entire thing were those strainers because I had to buy they were like two dollars a piece, uh, and then like spray paint. And that was it. Wow. That was the whole thing. <laughs> and I I was talking about this before we got on air. I was I was praising all the monsters that I saw because. They, you can, you can tell there is like love and effort put into them, but you can also see the, I did this myself type of thing. Yeah. And it, not only does it feel like very period correct, but it, it has just that level of jankiness to where you're like, this is really fun. And it's, you can like feel the, the tenseness that the monster's supposed to be giving off, but it's never like a stressful situation. It's always in good fun. It feels like, and I really appreciate that from all the creatures. Yeah. I mean, there's well, so many creatures too that are just, I love them all. <laughs> well, and it's funny. Cause like I said, the first one was just like, again, 
thinking back, it was like, I, I'm going to make this one movie, so I'm not going to go crazy because I don't have any money. So how can we do a cheap ass movie? And, you know, we made this this monster and it was just so ridiculous. And it was it was patterned and based a little on the creature from the haunted sea, which is like a not great um, Corman movie. Um, but I wanted to have, you know, just like it's an algae monster. So I was like, what the hell's an algae monster look like? Um, but then also I wanted those big dumb bug eyes, right? And um, that to me, those big goofy eyes, like scream 50s monster to me. And so that was one of the things that it was a motif we decided to sort of um, keep, you know, throughout all the films is that I like big bug-eyed monsters. Um, and I think it just, it just fits with um, the aesthetic, but then also it's become a signature of, of the monsters. And then uh, after making that first one, the first two, I met a guy named Mitch Gonzalez actually at a convention here locally um, who just was like, hey, I do monsters and like latex masks and stuff if you ever want my help. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Okay, weirdo. Uh, you know, <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take your card. I'll send you some stuff. And then he started emailing me all these pictures of stuff he did. And I was like, holy crap, this guy's good. Um, but of course, at that time, I was like, well, I can't afford this guy. Um, but then I got to know him and I realized that, no, he was just like me. He just wanted to make movies and monsters. And, and you know, he has this skill and he lives in Minnesota and, and wants, to, you know, wants to do this kind of thing. And this was the best way to do it. Then we became good friends. And then he started uh, the first true monster he designed was the moon zombies and attack of the moon zombies. Oh, those are uh, so then, awesome. Oh my God. Yeah. And then, and from there it became apparent. I was like, dude, uh, this guy needs to make all my monsters. I'm never going to be able to make anything remotely as cool as, as the stuff he's doing. Um, and he gets it, you know, he, he understands what I'm going for. And we have this great like shorthand now um, when we develop monsters, like if I'm coming up with an idea and I've got a script coming together, I'll be like, hey, here's what I'm thinking. This is what I need. I'll describe it for him. And then literally within half an hour to an hour, he's he's texting me sketches. Oh, wow. And we'll go and we'll just go back and forth until we're both sort of happy with what we're going for. Uh, and then, you know, I just let him go um, like for the Wearskeeto design. You know, he went through a couple, you know, the original sketches ended up changing and then eventually when he got down to it he started building it he was like i don't like what i'm doing i need i need to do something that's more half man half bug and that's when the design came together and it really came together it's one of my favorite things he's done and it's just creepy and weird and you know it, it it's a little it's it's a little 50s right because it's still a giant mosquito man but there's also parts of like the jeff goldblum fly right where there is some grossness to it where it's like there's some detail in there that looks a little more i don't know just stomach turning than you would normally get from some of those movies and we see it up at least those, those classic movies and we see it up close too there's just there's like veins and stuff in there it's just like oh it's kind of nasty i just love the idea of a half man half where like you know mosquito i thought that was just hilarious and and, and that's that's why i picked it originally because it was like it said where mosquito and i was like Okay, uh, so I was like, half man, half mosquito, or is this going to turn into a giant mosquito? <laughs> and I was like, all right, I got to check it out. And I worked, watched like the first ten minutes before I sent it to Austin, and I was like, yeah, this is this is the one we got to pick for this creature feature, <laughs> just because it's so 
just out of left field as compared to, you know, we were doing like Anaconda, we were doing The Relic, you know, it was stuff that people, you know, knew, and then we fell into this, and it was just such a batshit thing to happen. <laughs> so w- would you say that the, um, I know you said it's one of your favorite, but would you say that the uh, Wereskito uh, monster is your, like, what's your what's your favorite monster that you have created? Oh, yeah, I gotta know. I mean, uh, if we're talking the the ones Mitch has done, I think the, the Wereskito is probably one of the coolest things he's ever done. Like, I really feel like that one turned out even better than I could have ever imagined. And I think it works really well in the movie. Um, I still think from the ones I've done, I mean, I really like the monster Phantom Lake. Um, I think it's the one that, that people still like, I mean, people, I, I sell t-shirts on T public and that's still my best seller is just pictures. It's just literally a t-shirt with the monster coming out of the water. And that's the one that, that is just, I think ridiculous enough. And it really, at first glance, I think gives you exactly an idea of what I do. Uh, and that's part of being, I mean, it's my first movie. So I use it as my logo for a lot of things. And there's a lot of that built into there, but that's definitely one of the things that, that I've created that I'm proud of. I also like the bat monster from terror from beneath the earth. Yeah. That one's great. <laughs> it's my most ridiculous. Yeah. It's just this giant bat. I was like, I saw it when I saw it for the first time, I was like, okay, these movies are just exponentially getting better and better. I was like, Oh my God. The giant bat is great. So he started making them, you said, attack the moon zombies. Right. So the the bat was my creation. Uh, And you can always tell kind of by the fact that it it looks like cardboard because it is. Um, (laughs) Whereas, you know, Mitch, Mitch does full on like latex, you know, uh, masks. And he does, you know, he sculpts them. And I'm just like, well, I got an old street hockey helmet and I'll just put the ears (laughs) on it. Yeah, that'll do. Oh, wow. All right. So um, now talking about this entire, you know, the memiverse, I mean, what what is the what is the future? I know I know uh, based on your website that I found, which is funny because I didn't find the website until I actually read the credits on like one of the last movies I saw. And I was like, oh, man, that would have been great. <laughs> even to though know. it's in the credits of every movie. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. I know. And I didn't even I didn't wreck it. I didn't notice it until like Queen of Snakes when I was like, oh, cool. Oh, that's how I can watch. It came from another world and Destination Outer Space. So I rented those on Vimeo. But, you know, um, I know we have, at least according to the website, you've got the Christmas or the holiday special coming out this year. And then the uh, the Beast Walks Among Us for next year. And then Phantom Lake Kids and The Day of the Earth abruptly almost ended, which is a fantastic title. Uh, but, I mean, I mean, how many more the ideas do you have? The most awkward title I could come up with. I love it. I was like, that is the longest, most ridiculous title, but it's so great. So, I mean, going forward, I mean, how many more ideas do you have? I mean, are you just pretty much going to do this until you're like, ah, I'm done? Well, see, I don't know. I mean, it's it's funny. It's like it always sort of feels like from movie to movie, right? It always feels like this one's the last one. This is it. This is all there is. And of course, I'm like, no, but uh, I still have to do this one, and I haven't done this kind, and I haven't done that. And I, you know, it's like uh, one of the things that I've I've had a lot of fun with doing this is that um, each movie does kind of hit a different trope with each movie. Uh, you know, you had the Monster Phantom Lake, which is like a lake monster movie. Um, it came from the world is 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 kind of a red scare alien invasion kind of thing, right? Uh, it's very much paranoia and and sort of you know someone trying to take over your mind. Uh, and then you do Cable on Mars, which is like that classic, you know, women who've never known the true love of a man must learn it from Earth, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, then you had you know you had the the cave movie, and then you had the giant bug movie, and then you had the were the werewolf movie basically with Wereskito. 
then you had um, the 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 1950s Muppet movie with Danny Johnson saves the world. <laughs> yeah, that was freaking great. <laughs> still one of my weirdest movies, I think, but it's it's still it's it's one of the more popular ones, so it works for me. Um, but then you have Demon with the Atomic. I mean, it's just every movie is is me trying a different trope. That's why you had um, Guns of the Apocalypse, which is a western, but also a post also a post apocalyptic movie. But it's also a spaghetti western. I mean, it's yep. just like all these things I'd love to do sort of my take on and um you know the lately like the family kids the unseen invasion which is the one that we ended up making during the pandemic quarantine earlier last year uh you know was it's basically an Abbott and costello movie you know it's 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 like uh three stooges i mean it's it's just goofy stupidness for the sake of goofy stupidness and it was really fun to make you know uh after doing sort of heavier stuff with you know, uh, Guns of the Apocalypse is a little heavier, and, and Queen Snakes is not the funniest movie in the world. Um, you know, to do something that was just comedy, you know, that was meant to be dumb, um, but in in a fun, funny way. Uh, but even then, like The Beast Walks Among Us um, was supposed to come out last year, but that got postponed with everything going on in the world. Um, and so that's coming out actually this year oh, okay. um, at some point, because uh, it's done. It's just sort of sitting there. But that's a bigger movie where it's like it had a one of the biggest casts of any movie I've done. Uh, and I, I really want to do like live events with that one, whereas the, the Unseen Invasion is like seven people. And it's like my kids. <laughs> it's my family. <laughs> so it was like I, I you know, I, that one was OK to do, you know, release digitally and, and not worry about sort of the, the live events. But with The Beast Walks Among Us, I, I really do want to hopefully be able to release that back in a theater. And one way or another, it's coming out this year. I can't push it another year. Um, and and this next one again, because I I'm still not comfortable like you know working with actors and stuff, and it's just you know I can't I can't handle the liability should someone get sick. Um, uh, so you know I live with my kids and they're fun to work with, and we're having these great ideas of stuff. Uh, and again, they become kind of the Abbott and Costello films of the Universal Monster movies, you know. Yeah. Uh, when when it becomes a lot more self-referential and just comedic and, you know, uh, they're, they're fun. I really like making them partially because, um, they're more for the people. These ones are more for the people who've seen them all. So I figure I've done 15, well, 16 movies now. I feel like I can spend a little time being a little extra self-indulgent. Um, but also out of necessity of just like, well, I got to use the tools I have access to. And my kids really like making movies with me. So, I guess we'll make more after that. I mean, once things calm down and we can get out there again, I mean, I have literally a list of tropes I haven't hit yet. Oh, so man. this is exciting. Um, let me go back to, uh, I kind of want to go back to queen of snakes. As you mentioned that, uh, now that was the first full color movie that you had done. Yeah. Are you going to, are they, uh, I don't know. But what, what was the reason behind that? Are you going to continue to do more color? or Are you going to go back to the black and white? I was kind of curious. I was like, Whoa, this one's in all color for the whole movie. I was like, Holy cow. Well, I, uh, you know, that wasn't originally the plan uh, to release it in color. And I've, I've done stuff with color, but again, trying to make these retro movies, I really like black and white. I love black and white photography. I love um, old movies that are shot really competently in black and white. There's something to it that is just, to me, very magical. Uh, and I really like it. Um, I've played around with color, like with the Wereskito, you know, it's like every time you see blood, it's red. Right, you know? yeah. 
that's kind of gimmicky. That was the point. Uh, Nemo Demo with, the, Demo with the Atomic Brain, there's a little uh, color in there, but again, it's just, it's it's hints of it. When I was doing, uh, and then I guess at the beginning of Guns of the Apocalypse, you know, it starts in full color, but then the apocalypse happens and everything's in black and white because the world falls apart. Right? I, I did like that. Yeah. I noticed that. I was like, oh, wait, this one's in color. Oh, just kidding. No, no, no. It's black and white. I was like, yeah, interesting. Exactly. Interesting. Okay. And so with Queen of Snakes, uh, originally it was going to be um, in black and white, but then um, that one we shot at the same time as we were shooting Guns of the Apocalypse because I had these two scripts that I wrote. And I was like, you know, I'm going to shoot them both. And I'll just see which one comes together, you know, when, and I'll release them at different times. Um, and uh, my wife did pretty much all the the costuming, um, or most 90% of the costuming, and um, like the, the set design and all that stuff for that. And she did this really great job, like thinking about even the colors of things in a way that one wouldn't necessarily have to in a black and white movie. Right. And so I started realizing as I was editing it, I'm like, you know, everything about the way she coordinated all this stuff works really well in color. Like even the, there's the, there's, you know, the, the, the mother character who's a little, she's louder and crazy. And she's got, you know, the blanket she has is even like multicolored and her daughter who she's sort of beaten into submission with her abusive, emotional abusiveness you know, all she wore was like beiges and grays and just like, you know, browns and like crappy colors that sort of come through in her sort of emotional thing. And so, so Steph, my wife, obviously thought about these things enough that I was like, you know, again, it wouldn't have mattered in, in black and white, but it just works in color. And then I started manipulating it and playing with it. And I was like, you know, if I were to ever release something in color, I would want it to look like old sort of mid sixties, like technicolor or just like, you know, there's, there's this look to the color of the movies of the sixties. Right. Right. That just doesn't look natural. It looks oversaturated. It looks skin tones are weird. Like they're not, no one is that pink, you know? <laughs> and I was like, you know, if I can manipulate this enough to look like that, maybe I'll release this in color. Plus, once I started messing around and I found a place where I liked it, once I saw the Queen of Snakes, who wears all white but has all that green, mm-hmm. and I realized I was like, you know, the way that pops, I have to release this in color. Yeah, I really like how contained that one is because it's essentially like almost a, almost one bedroom the entire movie, and uh, I really I just think you worked with the space well. And also, I have to say that the old lady screaming was so unsettling. I was like, oh, this is really creeping me out like the mother when she starts screaming at that one point oh, oh yeah God. she just losing her damn mind. oh yeah i was like this is really kind of creeping me out a bit i was like i usually don't get creeped out that easy but i was like man that that is an unsettling scream um because well, so- i you know and that was funny it's funny you bring that up because <clears throat> when we when we when we film stuff um we record audio there but then also afterwards so i have other tracks to use uh, should something not record right or, you know, there's a lot of background noise sometimes. Um, <laughs> and that the Queen of Snakes was my wife, Stephanie. Um, she, uh, we were recording the scream and the way we did it is I recorded it separately and I put the microphone in one corner of a room and had her just in the other corner making these noises. And we were laughing our asses off through the whole thing. Because <laughs> she was like, she'd stop and start laughing. She's like, this is ridiculous. I'm like, 
hey, nothing but adventures with me, right? Come on, do it. <laughs> I thought it worked great. It, it, it kind of genuinely creeped me out a bit because she was just, she was just, I think why it creeped me out is because she was literally letting it all out. And I was like, oh God, that's, that is that is horrifying. Uh, but I actually really enjoyed that one because, like I said, it was it was kind of interesting. It was in color and like the green really did pop. And I loved the whole, you know, she found that necklace and then turned into this queen who was like controlling her. Di- it was it was a pretty fun movie. I really liked that one. Um, so why don't you go ahead and tell everyone where, where they can find all these movies? Uh, I know you have a website. I can't remember exactly what it is, but tell everyone where you can find these movies. I know a lot of them are an- on Amazon, but um, you can also contribute to future movies as well. So Which wh- you very much should do. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to contribute yeah. to the newest one because I just found out about this. I would have been contributing for years had I known this was a thing. So, Well, you can find me on my website It's uh, for my production company. It's sainteuphoria.com, which is... Most people can't seem to spell S A I N T E U P H O R I A dot com. But I always tell people if you can't remember that, go to thegiantspider.com and you'll get there. Okay. Um, so from there, you can you can learn about a whole bunch about uh, everything going on. I have uh, you know news on there for stuff going on to keep up with it. Uh, there's a newsletter you can sign up for. There's a podcast thing I do every month where I just talk about what's going on and. And uh, there's some other extra stuff that's thrown thrown in there. Um, there's a, you can contribute uh, to whatever projects I'm working on right now. You can tr- can contribute to the Mimiverse holiday special, which is basically my Mimiverse version of the Charlie Brown um, Christmas special. Nice, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, also, there's a lot of Star Wars um, holiday special in there. Oh um, goodness, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> But then um, there's a you know the the new one the Phantom Light Kids and the day the Earth abruptly almost ended, uh, which I love that title. The first time I typed it out because I was trying to think of something along the lines of like the day the Earth stood still. I was like the day the Earth, and then I just I typed it out and I laughed out loud at it. And I'm like I don't care what this is. This is my title. <laughs> uh, but you can contribute to that and you get your you know you get your name in the credits and and. There's levels. Uh, I've always made it, kept it really simple. It's like 20 bucks gets your name in the credits. Um, and then for you can pre-order like DVDs and Blu-rays if you want. And everyone who contributes um, gets a cool, like I sent out these little certificates that uh, I get printed up with the poster on it. And it says you're an official contributor and I sign it. And it's got the date and all that on there. Um, that, you know, at every level uh, you uh, you get one. And it's just it's just you know fun little things that you can do. Plus we have collectibles as well. I mean I got like a it's a cool puzzle we have like a jigsaw puzzle. Oh nice. That's okay. uh, got uh, just um there's this cool um in Queen of Snakes the there was a woman who named uh, Christy Williams who played um the Mrs. Davis the friend um and she's a really talented photographer and she did like a I call it my Jim Henson um shot uh where there's all these great pictures of jim henson surrounded by muppets and i did one where it's basically me surrounded by my monsters oh that's awesome and we got it and i actually sell that and i'll sign i sell signed copies of that and stuff eight by tens if people want them but um i i had that uh, one of the actually the fans of the movies a guy named barry perkins who's a really nice guy and actually has now transitioned into helping with a lot of props and stuff um he suggested the idea of he's like i really think this would make a great puzzle there's a lot of stuff on there there's a lot of colors and different things that would make it like a really nice puzzle so we looked into it and found a place that would make them and we i mean this was you know 
last spring so it was like well people need stuff to do at home so let's make puzzles <laughs> um but then there's just like we do a little stuffed animals and and you know sell dvds and uh little steve people puppets from david johnson saves the world oh so you, said you, also, of, you said you also had a t you see t republic t public you can go get t-shirts yeah on. it's a t public t public uh which uh if you go to my website you can there's links to it but okay. otherwise uh, i think it's t public slash mimiverse uh and it's got um I, i've just designed a bunch of t-shirts you can buy off there and you know t public is reputable and it's got really good prices like 14 bucks for a t-shirt uh you can, a lot of like the monsters and other random stuff on there and um you know i don't i don't make a lot of money off that but i get enough people asking for t-shirts but not enough that i want to spend money getting them made because the last time i did that i ended up with a lot of um adult smalls that no one wanted <laughs> Uh, do you have a Facebook page that you can? Uh, I think I think yeah. I, there's I, a there's a films of Christopher R. Mim Facebook page. There's a there's an Instagram okay. for the Mimiverse. There's a Twitter feed that I think is just basically fed by both of those two things. But uh, yeah, there's all all the social media. Perfect. All right. Well, uh, you know us at Frightmares. You can find us on Facebook at Frightmares Podcast. Same with Instagram, Twitter, Frightmares underscore Pod. Catch me on uh, Letterboxd at uh, Doctor Proctor or Frightmares something. You're on Letterboxd as well. As Frightmares Corey. Frightmares Corey. Shoot us an email at uh, StaySpookyAtOutlook.com. That's the one. Uh, <laughs> if you have any ideas for episodes or you want to be on the show. Uh, whatever you want. So hit us up on all our social media. Tell if you're like if, if you're liking the show. I can speak. Uh, rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to this. Uh, give us a review. Tell us what you're liking. Tell us what you're not liking. Um, Chris, if you could just stay on the phone, I'm just gonna end the episode and then. Um yeah, do you have anything else you want to say, Corey? Is that it? I mean, no, this has been uh, it's been a, it's fantastic. Yeah, thank you, thank you for taking the time out of your day to do this. It's been it's been an honor. I can't wait for the future of the Memiverse and uh, hopefully one of these days. If you do go back to theaters, I'll, I'll come up there and uh, I'll watch one of the new screenings in the theaters. But who who knows when that'll ever happen again? Because honestly, uh, yeah. yeah, really. Uh, <laughs> first off, thank you guys for having me on. This has been really fun. It's really nice to talk about obviously my movies, but then also to get into stuff like Alien. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that. That's a little creepy. I like that. That that we you know it's just maybe it's just that era of growing up then or what. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, if you get a chance, and I, I will say this is like uh, once this COVID thing is gone and we try to get back to some sort of semblance of normalcy. One of the things I always like to push is I, I, every year when I release a movie, I always do up a big premiere at a local theater here. That's the longest continuously running theater in Minnesota that literally goes back to the silent days. Uh, and it has this cool art deco look and feel. Um, we always do this big premiere and it's always, we always sell it out and it's, 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 it's more than just going to a movie. So I always tell people, you know, once we finally get out of whatever the hell all this is, um, maybe uh, that'd be uh, something, you know, it'd be great if you guys could come up and, and check out that event or anyone listening who uh, checks out my movies and enjoys them. It's, it's one of the, it's like my favorite thing we do every year. And we have people who literally will buy tickets the moment they go on sale because it's just, it's just fun and weird and unique and different. And you'll keep that, you'll keep that up to date on the uh, website, I would assume, correct? absolutely all right perfect well i will be sure to keep track of that and update anybody on the podcast if anybody wants to go up there i know like i said once this whole thing is over i would love to go up there and and see one of your movies on the big screen i think that'd be so much fun um i i think that would be an experience that would be unlike 
pretty much anything I, else. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're like no no one's really doing this where you're making these old cheesy fun movies. Like it's it's it would be it would be such an experience to see that and you know see it where it should be, which is on a giant screen with a lot of people and you know at the volume at, at volume eleven. That's what that's where I want to see these movies going forward. So. Well, and seeing and having that you've seen so many of them, um, you'll be in good company because a lot of the people that especially go to those premieres are the people who really like it. So it becomes this sort of, I don't know, it's, it's a party atmosphere of just like we're all here to have fun and hang out and and just have a good time. So definitely, if you as soon as we can get back to this, we're going to. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, go ahead and stay on the line, uh, Chris, and uh, to all of our listeners. Tune in next week. Me and Gabby are going to be doing some horror comedies. Uh, Corey's going to sneeze himself to death over there in the <laughs> corner. And uh, until then, guys, stay tuned and stay spooky. <laughs> <laughs>